2: All right, everybody, we are back on the Dr. Dolly show, 1-877-Doc Dolly, 1877-D O C D A L I. So we got some updates yesterday on Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin the third. And um it was pretty frightening what he went through. You know, uh originally the White House had said they had no idea that he was on leave. He had just recently, you know, taken off and uh, Who knows what was going on in in terms of the government. But in terms of the health, I always worry about our leaders. We definitely want our leaders in good health. And uh, unfortunately, uh, um, we actually had surmised that he might have had a prostate biopsy or maybe a cardiac procedure because he had been hospitalized early June having pain. And then it turns out that the Pentagon has revealed that uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin had undergone prostate surgery a prostatectomy December 22nd as an outpatient procedure they called it elective or some officials have called it elective I I don't know how elective yeah I guess you could choose that but elective procedures we kind of use for something a little bit less um, uh, uh, you know serious but it was done as an outpatient he had done his or I think he actually only stayed overnight For his treatment, but then January 1st, he was experiencing pain and was diagnosed with a urinary tract infection, admitted to Walter Reed uh, Hospital, and then he had to be immediately escalated to the ICU. The Pentagon said he had suffered fluid collections around the bowel. And so, you know, as a physician, when you hear this, this is, you know, one of the things that you don't want to hear happen after any sort of prostate procedure. Uh, Lloyd Austin's only 70 years old. Prostate cancer, as you know, afflicts hundreds of thousands of men a year. African-American, black men. And uh, many people of color can be at higher risk of prostate cancer, especially aggressive, which is why I have always urged that screening be done. Uh, we just don't have a one-size-fits-all for screening because I think certain demographics are at higher risk of aggressive prostate cancer. So for them to decide to treat this with surgery, it obviously sounded a little bit more aggressive. Um, the complications of a prostatectomy or even a biopsy or prostate surgery can be infection, bleeding, um, inflammation. There could be a in the intraoperatively a nicking of the bowel that can cause bowel perforation. Um, um, there could be swelling, uh, uh, sepsis. So th- there's a lot of things that sadly retained surgical equipment. Not that we think any of, we don't think that happened. But unfortunately, uh, uh, he, from what we understand, was in a lot of pain. He is out of the ICU. uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's out of the ICU. From what we understand, he's in a private room. They say his prognosis is good, meaning they expect him to recover nicely. Uh, As of yesterday, he was still having some discomfort. But, you know, uh, when it comes to prostate cancer, that's not easy. And there's been a lot of debate, it's been controversial on do we screen uh, as aggressively as we used to because biopsies and false positives can be very. Uh, devastating for the patient, for the healthcare system. And as I've always said, if you're at higher risk, you really need to have a different set of rules than, you know what, just for everybody, will wait. Or, you know, so... In the U.S., 288,000 new cases of prostate cancer are being diagnosed this year, according to the American Cancer Society. That number goes up almost by 10,000 a year. Now, it could be because we're increasing our population, you know, pretty uh, robustly. But 288,000 new cases, 34,700 patients may die this year, according to the American Cancer Society. And so in 2018, the United States... uh, the United States Preventive Service Task Force released a recommendation on prostate cancer saying that men age 55 to 69 make an individual decision about whether to be screened after a conversation with their clinician. For men 70 years and older, the potential benefits do not outweigh the expected harms, and these men should not be routinely screened for prostate cancer. Now, the American Cancer Society has different recommendations. Age 50 for men who are at average risk for prostate cancer and are expected to live at least 10 more years. Age 45 for men at higher risk of developing prostate cancer, thank you, such as black men or men who have a first degree relative father brother son diagnosed with prostate cancer at an early age younger than age 65 and then even age 40 for men at even higher risk so we've talked about prostate cancer and we've talked about how uh, you know some cases should never be ignored and and there's been this over the last decade or two well you're going to die of something else before the prostate cancer if you are fortunate to have the slow slow growing one then maybe that's true but cancer is chaotic cancer isn't always predictable and unfortunately there are some individuals where the cancer can grow go to the go to the back go, go to other organs uh impede your your urinary function your sexual function and so you know prostate cancer has to still be you know taken care of it it can't be ignored and and so I always recommended that my patients be followed by urologists and let them have an individual decision made with them and that urologist on what their care needs to be in terms of the U.S. government being made aware and the Biden administration being made aware that was very odd to hear that they had no idea that the defense secretary had been suffering from prostate cancer I get that People do deserve privacy, but even if you don't want to share the diagnosis, being under anesthesia, undergoing a major surgery, and then having complications from that, obviously warrants you know a, a you know next in line uh, um, uh, you know the the boss being aware. And, you know, if I ever took off work, I had to tell my boss and let my boss know I was going to be off. Or, you know, and, and so his team, even if they did let them know and they did everything on their part, if the Biden administration is saying, look, uh, we didn't know, that is concerning because we have a lot going on from a foreign policy standpoint, from a defense standpoint. And so I don't think it's a good look for the president to say, I didn't know. I think it's a better look for him to say we didn't know, but we wanted to give Defense Secretary Austin his privacy. We'll see what happens with that. I hope not only does he get his privacy, but he also gets better and gets to be discharged from the hospital soon. 1 dalia don't go away. Dr. Dahlia here. Are you tired, gaining weight, burned out, stressed out? dr dahlia show thank you all for tuning in One eight seven seven dr dolly One eight seven seven D d-o-c-d-a-l-i big thanks to genesis communications network for making the show happen big thanks to brad our producer and big thanks to y'all for tuning in we really do appreciate it don't forget to follow us on twitter at dr dahlia and on facebook the dr dahlia show okay so uh this is something that um we haven't talked about in a while Okay, I haven't talked about, uh, you know whenever I have an issue, because then I bring it up. So we're going to talk about things that affect me personally, too. I'm allowed to talk about myself. It's not all about you guys. I can answer your questions. I can give you sympathy, empathy, whatever you need. But when I got a problem, I'm going to talk about it. And the, uh, I am a little bit blown away at how many developments, residential developments, have homeowner associations. And I'm also blown away by the power that they wield. And I am very humbled by their power because, boy, have they wheeled their power up one butt cheek of mine and down the other. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not a bad homeowner. Uh, and, and, you know, And while we're talking about the home, we always talk about, you know, uh, mortgages and the economy and things like that. We, we're we bringing up, you know, buying property. And uh, you might want to double check if you got a homeowner's association, right, that is going to kind of parasite off of you, or is that homeowner association exactly what you need? So my question to you guys, are homeowners association good or bad? Are they just another mini government that now you have to pay and you have to abide by? Or do they keep things in line, and are you very grateful for them? So homeowners associations are designed to basically govern a community. And so, you know, I live in southern Nevada. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we've got a mayor. But we have one of the coolest, largest master plan communities, I think, in the world, uh, called Summerlin. And I like Summerlin. I think it's really pretty. And I think whoever runs Summerlin does a pretty damn good job. And so there's a little fee associated with that. But that's one fee. Okay. They make sure the parks, the landscaping, no potholes. Okay. I get that. Now, our tax dollars should be going to that. But I get how, you know, Master Plan community might be doing a little bit extra than some other communities, So money goes there. But then, if you live in a development within there, you have fees for that, monthly fees. And then, if for some reason there's a gate in your sub-development, you have fees for that as well. And so, whether you need snow plowing, uh, which is something that the Homeowners Association is supposed to do, snow plow. I, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. We've never really needed snow plowing. But, apparently, if you do live in an area where you know, that needs to be done, the Homeowners Association makes sure that happens. Tells the city, over here, certain landscaping. Um, our cat, when it was killed by a coyote, and nobody told us, apparently they clean the carnage. I would have wanted to actually see my baby and bury her myself, but for the good of the community, that's what they do. They pick up the roadkill. They pick up animals that die. So they do a lot. They also prevent somebody from painting their house pink or another color that might not go with the motif. If there is uh, loud music or something, they have security. And so if if there is a homeowners association, many people who enjoy their governing power will say that it helps their real estate property and their value, uh, and they like it. On the other end, okay, their rules, I don't know if you've ever seen your homeowner property rules, there are more rules in our homeowners association than I have for the medical board. I I mean, I know my medical board rules, you know, because you don't want to lose your license, but how many of you really know all the nooks and crannies of your homeowners association? And if you don't follow their rules, you could get in trouble. You could actually lose your home. It's... It's like we're living in a – it's a government. And they say, well, you know, we you elected – it's its not a representative democracy, your homeowners association. There's a board of directors. Most people don't care. They're like, I'll do whatever. I'll just follow the rules. But it's, it's I think, fascinating. For those of you who study civics and study, you know, what would happen if America – you know, doesn't pay attention. Are they going to turn communist? Will a fascist leader take over? Will you be ruled by aristocrats? Well, all I know is some of these homeowners associations. Dang. Yeah, you know, I I uh, um, will go. I, I won't always wear pants when I go to get the mail. I'll just wear my husband's boxers. There could be a rule against that. Now, remember, I told you that I got a traffic ticket. A speedy ticket. Not not necessarily parking on the side of the road. We get those all the time, especially when we have our trailer and we're trying to clean out our R V and leave it there overnight. But I got a speedy ticket from our homeowners association. I'm not paying them for that. I paid three fees a month on top of my mortgage just for them to give me a speedy ticket. Meanwhile, people speed much more than I do. I had to pee, I was going 35 miles an hour, it was 25 miles an hour, yet I'm the one that gets the ticket. Meanwhile, we see these teenagers go 80 on the road. And there was a hearing. So I attended the hearing. It was during COVID, so it was by Zoom. So I told them, first and foremost, um, your security guards are so good looking that I don't want to be tempted. I'm a married woman. So, yeah, I might have sped after I saw the guards because I don't want to turn my car around and, you know, uh, give into to temptation and lose my family. And there's also a lot of ducks in the area. These ducks stand in military formation. And I don't want to be attacked by a squadron of ducks. So, yes, you know, I did speed 10 miles over the limit I had to pay a fine yesterday I was told that my house was getting leaned they were going to put a lean on my house and I'm like if you need to stand and lean on anything that's fine lean on me they go no no no. we're going to lean your house I go why they go because you haven't been paying your fees I go I've been paying my fees I go to the bank the bank's like we've been paying the. the we look at your records we've been paying them every month they've been cashing the check apparently randomly the prices went up about $100 and I wasn't told. I didn't know. So all of a sudden, the fees change. So I go, can you show me what the hell's going on? Late fee, late fee, late fee. They see, you see, I paid them, but because the fees went up, who knows why, COVID, who knows, tip, I don't know. Now, so I fix it, I address it, but I'm like, you know, that's just a little too much power. Houses are going up. You know, do we really need to be paying multiple entities you know, just to ticket us and be all up into our retroperitoneum. I don't, I don't know if I want that. Now, people say, well, you can move. Of course, I could move. Now, and I'm sure my neighbors would love me to move because they don't want to see me in my husband's underwear that much longer. But I, I, I you know, I just, am, I'd rather than just move, address the elephant in the room, which is the power. That 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 these homeowners yield. And I get there's supposed to be meetings and you could be able to talk to them and you and I was nice, trust me. When I was talking about how sexy the guards are, you know, I was really nice about it. In fact the guards now wave to me. They're really cool. I haven't gotten a ticket since, so that's you know, So maybe it did work. But oh you know, we're allowing an entity to take just a little too much freedom away from us. And I think sometimes it's getting a little ridiculous. I also see inconsistencies. I have one weed that sprouts up. We get letters and things taped to our right. Yet, I walk the dog and there's other houses where there's shrubs. And What the heck's going on here? And so, you know, to each their own. For some people, the Homeowner Association may be exactly what they need. They love the fact that they have this community, and nobody is going to be fixing their truck in the front yard. I like that, though. I love seeing neighbors fix their trucks. I love coming over. I love giving my opinion. I love learning. I kind of miss that. I miss that we can't park on the street. So a lot of these homeowners association, you can't park your car on the street. If it doesn't fit in your garage because you have too much crap in it, or if it doesn't fit on your driveway, you get fined. Well, I, I like the cars on the street. When I was a kid and I was driving my big wheel or my bicycle, if there's no sidewalk, which, by the way, a lot of these communities, they don't have sidewalks. What are we paying for? There's no sidewalks? Those cars were protection from cars peeling around the street. You know, we have a lot of pedestrian deaths. We have more and more. And we if we're kind of now seen all these homeowners associations say no parking on the street those parked cars do provide protection if you don't have a sidewalk and so i i don't know i mean i, I think maybe we just need to and i know people who are in homeowners associations that dahlia just shut up and you know leave us alone but i i'm not i'm not trying to be you know uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, criticize too much, but maybe we need to kind of take a look at what these homeowners association are asking, and is a lot of that really necessary? One eight seven seven Doc Dolly, don't go away.
0: USA News Update. In Battle Democratic, New Jersey, Senator Bob Menendez took to the Senate floor Tuesday speaking out on the federal corruption charges against him. The senator says the timing of the charges demonstrates the bias of the prosecutors.
1: The United States Attorney's Office is engaged not in a prosecution but a persecution.
0: Senator Menendez has been charged with bribery, fraud and acting as an Egyptian foreign agent, along with accepting gifts from Cutter's government and helping a New Jersey developer secure millions of dollars in investments from Cutter. The next NASA moon missions are being pushed back about a year due to some technical problems discovered in recent testing. On Tuesday, the U.S. Space Agency announced the planned delays for the Artemis 2 and Artemis 3 missions. Artemis 2 will be a mission to take four astronauts on a journey in the moon Orbit Artemis 3 will be an attempt to put humans back
4: onto the lunar surface. I'm Ryan Daniels, USA News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. And there's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there.
2: Right, so we are back on the Dr. Dahlia Show. Thank you all for tuning in. 1-877-DOC-DALI, 1-877-D-O-C-D-A-L-I. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, the Dr. Dahlia Show. Bill writes, when I was in my 20s, I lived with my parents for a while. I paid the rent. It was a lower amount, but it was something. So Bill is writing, after we spoke about how 31% of Gen Zers uh, have um, been living as adults with their parents. And um, I don't have a problem with that at all. And that is, I like how Bill brought that up. We've brought that up on the show before. How if you do have an adult child that um, you may be uh, you know needing to live at home because it's financially easier, uh, why not charge rent? Why not have some uh, skin in the game? Get them in that pattern. Because one thing that's interesting about these statistics, about Gen Zs living at home, and again, I don't criticize the Gen Zs, because I have two. My sons are Gen Zs. Their friends are Gen Zs. And I think that generation is flipping awesome. I have students who are Gen Zs. Uh, But it is not unreasonable to question if... The younger generations are going to be as financially fit, as financially strong, um, to manage the economy as they do become first-time homeowners, you know, work, etc. I mean, for me, age 18, I wanted to move out earlier. My sister was able to leave earlier. I wanted to move out earlier. As soon as I turned 18, I was... I got out, and I supported myself, and I did what I had to. And much of what I've learned, especially in in terms of managing, you know, my finances, managing uh, uh, work, managing budgets, uh, figuring out how to eat inexpensively, not waste money on superfluous things, manage uh, multiple jobs while you know, time management, and you know, while taking classes, things like that, I credit because I moved out. And so if you do have a population that isn't struggling in terms of, all right, I got to figure out how to pay my rent, pay my power bill, not overspend. What does that do to society as a whole? So when I grew I mean, I'm Gen X. So I was living on my own in the 90s, late 80s, no, 90s is in the 90s. So I didn't have to buy an iPhone. I didn't pay for cable. I had an antenna so I could pick up Channel 5 and some of the other... uh, I think Melrose Place was on Fox. I think that was Channel 5 or Channel 11 up in Reno. I forget. But as long as I could see Melrose Place, I was good. Didn't really watch a lot of TV. I worked. If people are not having that pressure... If we do have a generation, because what 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 happens in society if you when things change with the generations? So if you have a generation that isn't trying to figure out how to make ends meet, like I had to figure out how to make six dollars feed me for a whole week, and and I was skinny, but I made it work. Maybe it wasn't the healthiest meals, but you know it that took some real creativity. Yeah, you know, but I was able to make it work. If you have a generation that doesn't have to do that, then are they going to be as astute and wily when it comes to money management if they do lose their jobs? Now, I think the average Gen Z could figure it out. I mean, you don't have the money, you don't spend. But are there habits that we are cultivating that maybe they shouldn't have? So if you're living at home rent-free... Then, if your iPhone is a thousand plus dollars, or these apps are five dollars, or these video games are forty or whatever, you might not be thinking twice about, ooh, do I really need that? Whereas, you know, when I was on my own and I had to figure out contact lens solution, I mean, I really studied the fluid ounces and I tried to do the price. I mean, I tried to calculate, was I getting more bang for my buck? Every single thing I purchased, I had to really put thought into. And so I couponed. You know, if one pizza place was selling a pizza for this much, but another pizza place was selling it for this much, but there was a coupon, you put some thought into it. Does the average Gen Z coupon? I mean, they might, when they're online, you know, buying something, and they say, hey, you know, Microsoft Edge or whatever has this coupon app. But, you know, I do worry that some of the younger generation, if they didn't have to sweat things out, then they might not be able to. All right, go back to that. So I told you guys that during, um, after Obamacare during the Great Recession, when insurance companies stopped paying patient uh, visits because they said, sorry, patients had high deductibles and patients weren't paying because it was a recession, we bottomed out our bank account so we could still pay staff. And my husband and I are like, okay, this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, they say doctors go bankrupt, but this is, I mean, if insurance companies won't pay, because they say, sorry, patient owes, if patients don't pay, what do we do? And I'm like, I waited tables. I I could easily go back and wait tables. No, no, listen, you know, we need you here or whatever. I would love to wait tables again. That was some of the most fun money I ever made. Yeah, Yeah, it was hard work. But I came home every night with tips. So I have a go-to. I know where to go. I know exactly what I need to do. Now, mind you, I'm middle-aged, so I'm probably not going to get the tips you know I used to get. And I might not be as hired as easily as I was when things were a little perkier. But uh, you know, if, God forbid, the poop hit the fan, I know exactly what to do and I'm comfortable. We get into a studio apartment. We sell, you know, the second car. I wait tables if I'm lucky enough to find a job. Or I go back to fast food. I worked in fast food. I'm not scared about that. I've done it before. I have a plan. It really doesn't scare me. But if the average Gen Z didn't work high school jobs or, you know, work fast food or wait tables, or that's all new to them. It's all Greek. And so, you know, th- this is why, uh, Yeah, when I talk about schools and re, uh, you know, changing how we do schools, a part of our school day would also be, you know, getting a job, figuring out how to get the job, look at what industry you want to do, interning. So, you know, the the idea that rent is so high that Gen Z's have to live at home and they aren't doing what we did where, you know, we just found roommates or we, you know, uh, scraped or we rented a room or we slept in someone's backyard or we slept in our cars. You know, there are many people that are homeless and that's what they're doing. But, you know, if somebody is fortunate to have a family that has, a you know, that could ply a roof over their head, why not? I don't blame Gen Zs for doing that. In fact, that, that doesn't mean that they aren't wily. That's a strategic move. Why spend thousands of dollars a month when you don't have to? But, yes, there is a concern that they might not be, you know, budgeting, understanding how to deal with money, sweating it out. You need to have that fear. I, you know, I couldn't stand some of my college classes, and I couldn't stand some of my bosses in the past. But I did not want to sleep in my car, and I did not want to live on $6 a week for food. So that kept the drive going. You need drive. And so maybe if you know the kids are living at home, make them pay a little rent. Make them work. Make them, you know, where, okay, yeah, you're living with us, and we, we like it, we're fine, you know, we don't want to make it miserable for you, but if you lived on your own, these are the exact 27 things you would have to be doing. So, let's try to make this as real life as possible. Thank you, Bill, for your email. Keep them coming, guys, one 877 Dolly or at com. I need help with my taxes. Where can I find free tax help?
3: If you make $54,000 a year or less, you can participate in the IRS Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, VITA, or the Tax Counseling for the Elderly, TCE, programs. IRS-certified volunteers provide free basic tax prep for low-to-moderate income taxpayers. The TCE program is specifically for taxpayers age 60 and older. Go to irs.gov and enter Free Tax Prep in the search box to find a VITA or TCE site near you.
2: On the Doctor Dolly show, thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly. One eight seven seven D O C D A L I. So one of my listeners wanted me to look at this case. I have not been able to read the injunction. This is a case that has to do with abortion, State of Texas, American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, Christian Medical and Dental Associations versus Javier Becerra. United States Department of Health and Human Services as it pertains to um, abortion access and there's been some headlines saying that um, Texas will not be giving emergent care for the life of a pregnant woman and, I, you know, I, and so our listener wants I guess some clarity on what's happening in terms of the abortion crisis and why is this to the degree that it is and so um, if there is a woman's life in danger a doctor has every right to protect them now how often is a simple pregnancy putting a woman's life in danger All right, it doesn't happen all the time but it can happen it 's rare, but there can be issues where let 's say a uterus ruptures or there 's organ prolapse, or somebody has sepsis or there 's blood loss now, prior to you know the roe v Wade overturn, which again never really was designed. To make more laws, Roe v. Wade overturn was uh, government has to stay out. The Roe v. Wade overturn had said the federal government is out. They can't ban abortion, the federal government, and the federal government can sanction abortion. If constituents want abortion or they don't, that's up to them in the states. But the federal government can't ban it. So that, that was the Roe v. Wade overturn. But if prior to that, It was a mess in terms of the states and who had six-week fetus being alive laws or 12-week or late-term abortions. But if somebody was hemorrhaging, if somebody had loss of life and the uterus was prolapsing, I mean, you would try to save the fetus as well. If the fetus was was old enough to go into NICU, I mean, how many women have undergone preterm labor? You know, uh, but if somebody is not sepsis, oftentimes the pregnancy is suffering as well, and so it is all hands on deck. And and the average physician would, you know, uh, put the life of the mother first. In fact, when my um, I think when my mother or my uncle was being born, uh, so this was back in the 50s, my grandmother was going to die in the middle of the the delivery, and, and the doctor had gone to my grandfather saying, who should I save? I could only save one of them. And my grandfather said, what the hell are you talking about? You saved both. And the doctor actually did. Now, I don't really know the details of what condition was that where they had to, at the time in the 50s, only give resources to one or the other? But in medicine, that's really what we want to do. We want to protect both, but we are not going to necessarily let a mom die. Now that states are making rules and laws and, and some of these laws may be misinterpreted, and some of these laws, one thing I'm, I've seen with politics, which is why we got to be very, very careful when laws are written, is sometimes with the way laws are written, the intent is to protect people. But with the way the law is written, somebody could still use that to sue. And so you would think it's a no-brainer to say for the life of the mom, of course, save, save the mom. There's not a lot of medical cases in which that happens, but it does happen. But the problem we have, you know, and and it's and I don't know if it's fixable, is we would have never had all these laws and all this chaos if we didn't do what we did in terms of. Well, we need to put tax feeing dollars to covering abortion. And we need, and we have, uh, you know, a million unwanted pregnancies that. Once we start to look at the numbers and we start to have Congress, I mean, I don't know if you remember the debacle between Planned Parenthood and uh, Coleman for the Cure, the Coleman Foundation, where there was, I guess, um, some sort of shenanigans happening where. During the recession, Coman for the Cure did not want to um, provide funding. Um, it maybe you know, it was lack of donations, I'm not sure. But they had decided that some of their funding was not going to go to Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood got grumpy. Now, I appreciate what Planned Parenthood does for many women without insurance and a lot of the gynecological care they offer, but the abortion issue went from... You know, a few thousand a year of women having issues that required intervention, whether they were raped, incest, their life being at risk, to now it being a taxpayer frenzy, employers being involved, um, health insurance going up, neighbors, you know, all up in your business. It, just, it went from something being a very personal medical decision that was rare when needed to a very apparently common uh, election-turning topic. And so, you know, I I hate to see all these laws. I hate to see government involved. If the numbers of women who, you know, again, we, we are spending millions on taxpayer funds to try to help women not have unwanted pregnancies, providing free birth control, providing condoms, providing Obamacare. If we didn't have a million women a year facing the challenge of an unwanted pregnancy, we probably wouldn't be having all this chaos. But now, because states are like, I don't want abortion being used as birth control. I don't want my tax dollars going to this. I, how do we get my tax dollars away from it? It's against my religion. Then laws are put up saying, okay, well, then we ban abortion. It's, it, the, the process is going all wrong. It, this is a medical procedure. And it is a very heavy and mentally strenuous and physically strenuous medical procedure that requires utmost attention by one's doctor And a relationship between a person and their doctor, working them through this and then beyond, as abortion regret can follow, or side effects. Same thing as becoming pregnant is a very personal, very challenging decision. And going through a pregnancy takes a lot of resources, a lot of help. This is something between a person and their doctor. Just like... Getting your gallbladder taken out, getting um, uh, cosmetic surgery, getting this is something that's very, very personal and involves the life of the mom and the life of the fetus. But we have now dissected doctors out, either vilifying them or empowering them or whatever. and, And but they're like, but we're making the decisions. The politicians are making the decisions. Keep everybody out of it except the doctor and the pregnant patient. Look at what happened with Walgreens and the pharmacies in California. If a pharmacist doesn't want to be involved with it, the doctor themselves could prescribe the medication and, and um, dispense it. But that's why it's a mess. And I think the abortion issue could be handled a lot better and more privately without dragging everybody in. One eight 877 Ali.
6: unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com